Today's Godcast was given live during the 2021 Northern Ohio Youth Camp as a part of a special devotion series, Unmovable, We Will Not Be Shaken. At the NOYC, we desire for youth and adults alike to live a life that is unmovable and always abounding through Jesus Christ. Find more Christian content and special series by visiting our website at www.thenoyc.com or check out our social media pages. Are you glad you're at the NOYC camp this week? Amen. It's been a busy week. It's been a great week. But aren't you glad that you're here? Aren't you glad that, I'm sorry, that was a little West Virginia came out of my mind. Aren't you glad you're here? Amen, dear friend. <laughs> you spend enough time down there and all oh, my folks are from down there. So you kind of just start sounding like you're from down there. And uh, you spend enough time around me and you'll start talking like me. I won't start talking like you. Amen. It's kind of like Jesus. When you get near to him, he don't get what you have. You get what he has, dear friend. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm glad to see every one of you today. I want you to turn your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter number 17. I, I guess I could start off by saying this today. This would be a classic story. It's not going to be a classic message, but it's going to be a classic story to most of you because 1 Samuel chapter 17 deals with two great people that we always focus on. As we stand across the auditorium, across the building tonight, you see David and you see Goliath, two uh, characters which we see in our Bible oftentimes. But before we get there, I want you to look with me tonight. I'm not going to promise you that I won't make mention of Goliath, but he is definitely not going to be the focal point of my message this evening. We're glad to see every one of you. This has been an amazing camp. I know that it has been a busy start, but I wouldn't have it any other way. We need to stay busy around here and thank God for um, all the people that make this possible and thankful for them to have us here with us. First Samuel chapter number 17. I want you to turn your Bibles to verse 23 or look with us at verse 23 and we're going to read maybe six or so, four verses, something like that. Four verses and we'll take a break for just a little while tonight. But I want you to keep your Bibles open. I want you to read along with me and I want you to look at some of the things that God begins to show and to reveal to us. Our, our theme for the week is unmovable. I, I mean, I've looked through my Bible. There's all kinds of people. Matter of fact, everybody you read about at one point or another, at one time, they are unmovable from the Lord. I mean, God establishes them, founds them, puts their feet upon a solid rock and there they are recorded in the history pages of the Bible for you and I. But look with us here. Here, as David begins to come up, the Bible says, And as he talked with them, behold, there came a champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, and out of the armies of the Philistines he spake according to the same words, and David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man that has come up? Surely to defy the uh, Israel is come up, and it shall be be the man who killeth him. The king will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make him his father's house free in Israel. And David spake unto the men that stood by saying, what shall be done to this man that killeth the Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And who is this uncircumcised Philistine Philistine that should defy the armies of the living God. I want to preach just a little bit this evening on the master. Our theme for the week is unmovable and for the day it's the master. 
Now, I told you it might be a little bit different, so you hang on for just a little bit. Let's bow our heads together and ask God to move in our service and in our hearts. Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. Lord, we thank you for bringing us all here today. We know that this message is not by chance. It's not pulled out of a book. It's not even pulled out of a group of messages that I have, God. I know that it come from you for this group right here, right now at this place. And God, I pray that you would just touch our hearts and our minds. God, that you would strengthen our children, that you'd strengthen and parents that are here. Lord, that you'd encourage pastors that are here. Father, we pray that you would just breathe and move upon this service. Lord, we lift up your name and we worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. And amen. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. One of my favorite stories, and though every time I go to read out of this portion of Scripture, I always find something new in this story that I'd never seen before. I think that I've preached on, actually I know that I've preached on Goliath, the giant. I've preached on the armor that David has put off, the David's sheep that he left in the hand of a keeper. I've preached on the duty and the call of his father, his sling, his rock, his staff, all kinds of things can be pulled out of this. But looking beyond that, I want you to understand where David's real strength lies at this point in time. Dan, I want you to understand it did not lie within the rock or the sling or the bag. It did not lie in his skills or his uh, own intellect or his wisdom it lied and relied on his master and I want to show you that this evening we find it as we begin to see in this portion of scripture that at this time this this uncircumcised Philistine has come as he comes before the armies of Israel he's some nine foot over nine foot tall he's carrying armor and a shield or a sword and a spear and a man goes in front of him holding a shield to bear witness of his strength and not only that, but just the sheer mass of what is going on. Some theologian and historians say that his armor, his shield, his sword, and his spear would have weighed upwards of 150 pounds themselves with nothing, nothing else involved. As we begin to read through this portion of Scripture, you'll find for 40 days, every morning and every evening, Goliath comes to the forefront of the battlefield and he challenges the people of Israel. He says, send us a man that he might fight against me. That means for 40 days and twice a day, I mean, as this basic math, somewhere in the tune of 80 days has come to pass and here comes David. Now, David is a young man. He's a young boy, but my dear friend, it didn't mean he was filled out. He didn't have his man body, so to speak. I mean, he might have had some muscles. He might have been lanky. He, 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 he was rudy. I don't think he was short. I actually think he was tall based off the fact that his height was somewhere around Saul's height at the time, the king. And so here he comes, and he comes out there, and the Bible begins to tell us this. David, is, uh, he shows up there to give to get word back from his father to see how his brothers are doing. Remember, this has gone on for over 40 days. He is literally, he has not heard from, his dad hasn't heard from his other boys that are there at the battle. So when David comes, his job is to get word and bring it back. And this is what we find. As David shows up there, the Bible says this, that when he receives the word, he goes there and all of a sudden he hears this echo from this Philistine saying send me a man and send me somebody who's willing to fight for me and if they beat me we'll be your slaves but if we beat you you're going to be our slaves. Can I tell you that is the same echo we are hearing in the world today. A challenge against the people of God and the house of God and once again we need a man that's willing to stand against the wiles of the devil and against the enemy. Now young Roy 
to like? It matters not. It needs to be necessary that you understand that your age matters little to nothing when it comes for God doing something great in your life. Amen. And so the Bible says here we find that David is led by the hand of God and I see it first of all by his master's evidence and how he responds as the master guides his attitude. Look what the Bible says here in this portion of scripture. If you read a little bit further in verse 28, so David stands up and says, why doesn't someone just drop this old bat boy? He's big, but that don't mean he don't fall. Hey, just the bigger they are, the harder they Oh yeah, I'm glad you're with me this evening. And so they fall down and, it, and all of a sudden people get their feathers in a ruffle. When you've got faith and no one else does around you, boys, you're gonna ruffle some feathers tonight. Just because you're young don't mean that you can't stand for God. And just because you're young don't mean God can't use you. And ladies, just because you're young don't mean God don't love you. And God can't use you for something great at any given point in your life, dear friends friend, God can use you. And what needs to be said once again is that when God is your master, he'll guide our attitude through life. And so as the Bible says here in verse 28, here comes David. David rehearses, why didn't someone just kill him? I'm not afraid of him. I'll take care of him. And the Bible says that Elab, his eldest brother, come. And when he heard the words that the men spake unto him, Elab's anger was kindred against David. And he said, why comest down here hither? And whom hast thou left those few sheep? in the wilderness I know thy pride and thy naughtiness of heart for thou art come down not into the not that thou should see but the mightest of the battle or see the battle literally he said David I know you're here for all the wrong reasons I know you're here because you're just ornery I know you're here because you're a troublemaker I know you're here because that spoiled little baby brat you're the youngest of all of us you're that spoiled little boy hey am I preaching to some of you what's the world tell you you're for what do they tell you I mean listen they can tell us we're uneducated. They can tell us we're brainwashed. Hey, Amen. Yeah. They can tell us we're brainwashed. I tell you, I've not been brainwashed, but I have been blood washed at Calvary, dear friend. And you better understand today you need not to be ashamed of who you are and what you stand for. Paul said, I am not ashamed, for I am persuaded that which I have kept given to him, he is able to keep until that day. Matter of fact, let me ask you today, how's your attitude? How's your attitude towards life, young people? How's your attitude towards your friends, your teachers, your parents, those that are around you? And when the enemy comes, if the God of heaven's son who died on Calvary is your master, it ought to guide your attitudes in life. Philippians 2 and 5 said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant that was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, become obedient unto the death, even that of the death of the cross. You know, the Bible says that God loves a cheerful giver. Why? It's not that he wants your money. It's not that he needs your money. It's that he's trying to get our mind and our attitude to line up with the mind of God. Do you think when David went out there, he was 
interested in the bride of the king? Do you think he wanted money? No. What he say? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? He didn't care about anything else. What he cared about was who is this old boy and let me at him. Amen. He's a little scrappy guy. Like that little dog, that little scrappy dog. I don't even know what cartoon that's off. You know what I'm talking about. They're always trying to hold him back. They were just saying, let me at him. What was it? It was the mind of Christ inside of him and inside of you, dear friend. You need to have the mind and the attitude of Christ that nothing is impossible. With men, things are impossible. But with God, nothing shall be impossible. You've not found a situation that the God of heaven cannot steer you through, keep you from, hold you from, get you out of, pull you out of, and set you on a solid rock. There's been nothing, no mess alive that God can't redeem you from and that children needs to be the attitude of your life. Young people and youth leaders, we don't need people who are wishy-washy. We need people with the mind of Christ who are sold out and dedicated to the form and the fashion of God who are willing to do and their attitude says, God, let you be true and every other man a liar. But the Bible continues on. Then all of a sudden, one way or another, hey, listen, when you got faith, it's gonna go places. (laughs) When you got faith and you wanna make it known, it's gonna go places in your life and so the Bible begins to tell us here that somehow or another the words get rehearsed unto Saul king of that time and so the words get rehearsed and it ain't good enough just to hear good words like that he wants to see him and he wants to hear him himself so here comes Saul Saul says you bring that boy up here and here comes David David comes up and he stands before him and David's standing before him and then he rehearses the words to Saul and David says to Saul let no man's heart fail him for thy servant will go and fight with the Philistine. Now the Bible doesn't say he's going to go and win. He just said I'm willing to go and fight. Can I tell you not only will God when he is our master guide our attitude but he'll guide our our attempts in life. Think about it for just a little bit. I'm not telling you you're going to be victorious in everything that you put your hand to. I'm not telling you that you're always going to win and that you're always going to be the head and you're never going to have bad days. But when's the last time you said God I'm willing just to tempted for you. I don't need a promised victory. I don't know. I know it looks impossible. I know there's not much hope in this, but when's the last time you said, God, just let me try. If I fail, I fail, but God, if I win, to you be the victory in life. Our attempts are so fickle and so frail today because we're afraid we might lose. We might fail. You know how many failing things I've failed at in life? Everything. I've failed at all kinds of things. Matter of fact, my little baby girl's here today. She's homeschooled last year because, yeah, I'll leave that word alone and all the things going on in the political system today. I didn't feel like she was going to have a solid second grade education. We kept her home and hold scooter. In doing that, that means between me and my wife, we have to, I, I, <laughs> I had to teach her English and I'm dyslexic, by the way. And I found out real quick when I got fired and then rehired as the superintendent. <laughs> Some of y'all get that later. <laughs> that I really didn't know English like I thought I did. 
When my little girl comes up there and my wife's holding this paper with red ink all over it, I looked at her and said, what did you do? She said, it was wrong. I said, honey, could you have not got the pencil? Could you not made her do it over again? I mean, we had a big intense moment of fellowship over it. <laughs> she said, I don't know why you're so upset. She got it wrong. I said, no, I did. I helped her with it. Then we both laughed, went on with life. That's about the time I turned in my resignation. Why? Because I realized all of a sudden, just because I attempted it, didn't mean I was going to get the victory. David doesn't say, I'm going to go out there and kill him. He says, I'll go out and fight him. Listen, dear friend, God don't need more people who are just wanting to stand up when they have a guaranteed victory in hand. God needs some men and women who are willing to stand up and say, God, if I burn, then I burn. But Lord, as the Hebrew boys, the Bible said, they said, oh, king, listen to us. He said, you put us in the fire if you want to. But the God whom we serve is able to deliver us from thy hand and from this fire, oh, king. He said, but, but if not, we will still not serve thy gods. What was he saying? We are sold out and we are going to attempt this thing. If we lose our life, dear friend, we lose our life standing on the firm foundation. Dear friend, we live our life under God. It's an attempt that comes before us. Matter of fact, Zechariah, the old prophet, seen it and he says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. 1 Corinthians 15 and 57, he said, but thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ therefore my beloved brethren or the church be ye steadfast unmovable always abounding in the work of the Lord you gotta try to do something for God I don't care if you fail but dear friend try to do something for him we've gotten to such a place we just sit by the side and say let somebody else do that if the master is guiding us he wants us to do something David says, nobody's doing nothing. I'll at least try to fight this old boy. Saul looks at him and says, you can't. He's been a warrior since his youth. Here's how we know that David is young. And you're still but a youth. Doesn't say he's little. Doesn't say he's small. Matter of fact, we'll go to the next point. Since we find ourselves at this place, the Bible says that all of a sudden Saul, Saul realizes, I ain't going to change this boy. He's going to attempt one way or the other. And so Saul, verse 38, he says, fine, if that's what you want to do, the Bible says he armed David with his armor and he put a helmet of brass upon his head and he also armed him with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword upon his armor and he essayed it to go for he had not proved it. And David said to Saul, I cannot go with these for I have not proved them. And David put him off for them. We understand that when we have an unmovable master and that he'll guide our attitude, that he guides our attempts and dear friend, he'll guide our appearance. Now you hang on for just a little bit before you get too tight and nervous. We got to understand God don't want us to build this thing upon the world's foundation. He wants us to build this gospel off that which the gates of hell cannot prevail against. He wants us to build this on a firm foundation. He don't need us to look like a nightclub, I wish someone would shout. He don't need us to make this thing look like something what it is not. The appearance still needs to be Jesus Christ at the end of the day. The world needs to know there is a difference between us and what we used to be in the world today. 
there's an appearance change in us. So here comes, this is why I think that Saul is not little. Because David, or Saul, the Bible says, is head and shoulders above every man. He's not little. If Saul was standing next to me, his shoulder would be at my head height. That's what that means. So here comes Saul, and Saul says, well, buddy, if you've got enough gall, if you're just going to attempt it, if you're at least going to try, if you think, if you're so crazy to do it, at least take my armor. That's the least you can do. <laughs> it's kind of funny. And so David puts them on. They didn't look bad. They didn't fit weird. David puts them on. Dear friend, he grabs the sword. He rolls his shoulders. He gives a couple jumps. He taps his armor, and then all of a sudden, it doesn't say he didn't fit. It said that he hadn't proved him, which meant that it just wasn't the same. He knew he couldn't move the same. He knew it didn't feel the same. He, hey, listen, there's a lot of things out there in the world you can get a hold of, but I promise you it won't feel the same. It won't have the same effect. It won't give you the same quality. It won't give you the same satisfaction. Oh, God, hear me. There's a master in heaven, and there is nothing this world can do to duplicate the goodness of God in your life. His appearance is everything in our life. The Bible said this. Well, preacher, what do you think about the appearance? What do you think about it? Y'all made an assumption when I got up here. There's a psychological term, the 7-11 rule. In seven seconds, you'll make 11 assumptions about me. It's natural. I don't take offense to it. <laughs> I don't know if it borders on I don't care or I don't know. I don't know. It's just somewhere in there. We do these things. We see someone and we identify their hair length. Their, if they've got a beard, we identify if they're wearing a belt, if they're wearing a tie, if their pants are sagging, if their pants are pulled up, if they've got a button-up shirt on, if they've got a dress on, if they've got high heels on or not, if their hair is done. If every, I mean, we, we do this whether you want to acknowledge it or not. Naturally, it is in our DNA to acknowledge and to identify with certain things in our life. No wonder the Bible tells us here that even when Saul or Samuel, one of God's men and his mighty men, he goes out there and he says, I want you to go out and find a man and I want you to anoint him. He's in the household of Jesse. And when you go there, he reminds him this. He says, Samuel, when you go there, for the Lord seeth not as a man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance but the Lord looketh on the heart. I wish you'd shout this morning. Hey, listen, I want you to understand you might be broken on the outside. You might have scars on your body, but God don't look on the outside. He looks on the inside of the man. Oh, God, don't stop now. But on the same token, you might be looking churchy tonight. You might be looking like the church. You might be carrying the right Bible. Your parents might drag you to church every time the doors are open. But dear friend, what matters is if the master is on the inside of your heart tonight we're so good at times at playing the part we're so good at blending in with the crowd carry the right bible wear the right dress we're so good I'm going to kill myself on these wires we're so good at looking like it. Matter of fact, and as we see the end time approaching, it will get worse. 
He says, know this also, then in the last days, peerless time shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves. Right? Second Timothy. And he continues on that they'll be proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent and fierce, despisers of those that are good. He goes on and on. And finally, he pulls us and Paul writes to Timothy. He said they would have a form of godliness, but they would deny the power thereof. And the same thing that David does here. What's David do? He puts them off. He gets rid of them. He gets aside from them. It's the same thing that Paul told Timothy. When you find those who say that they love God, but they don't have the appearance of God, he said, from such, stay away. Can I tell you, you ought to look like God. You ought to smell like anointing. His spirit ought to rest upon you. You ought not to wonder if you're going to heaven. You ought to know that your name has been recorded in glory. Your appearance ought not to be that of the world. Your conversation and conduct ought to be of a heaven's fair country. Preacher, I'm young. I don't. <coughs> I'm young. Have you ever seen anybody in the military? We got anybody in the military tonight? Raise your hand. You ever served? Come on. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, my brother. Amen. I have never in my life seen a man or a woman who give their life to make this country what it is and then ashamed of the uniform they put on. Mm. I've never seen that BDU go on a man and him not esteem it and honor it. Matter of fact, I've never seen a man or a woman who give their life or serve in our country that when the flag of the the United States of American flag don't go up, that they don't pause and acknowledge its reverence. Dear friend, I feel like preaching to you for just a little bit. I've never seen no one born again. You know what BDU stands for? It's not basic dress uniform. It's not bad boy uniform. It is the battlefield uniform for the individual. When you have Jesus Christ upon you and your life's been anointed and touched by God when God moves you'll not be ashamed it's absolutely impossible in the Christian's life Paul said for I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God unto salvation how can we be ashamed of what God's done it is our appearance it's everything that we are today look what else the Bible says verse number 40 as he continues down through this portion of scripture, the Bible says that he takes his staff in his hand and he chose him five smooth stones out of the brook. Now listen, he goes down there, the Bible said, and he put them in the shepherd's bag, which he had even the strip, and a sling was in his hand, and he drew near unto the Philistine, and the Philistine came and drew near unto David, and the man that bare the shield went before him. And the Philistine looked about him and saw David and disdained him, for he was but fair, he was a youth, and Rudy in a fair countenance. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that thou should comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Can I tell you this as well? When you have the master inside of your life, when he is inside of your life, dear friend, it will guide our action in life. Now you remember there's a difference between an attempt and an action tonight. Preacher, what's the difference? The difference is if you look closely in your Bible, here comes David. 
David. Now David tells everybody what he's going to do. His intent, his attempt to do something was real in his life. But the action, the follow through, the difference was uh, he wasn't just going to talk about it. He was actually going to do something about it. Someone says, how do you get that? It's real easy. When you read in your Bible that David went down to the to the brook and picked up the stones. I'm just a hillbilly. I don't know much. I live in West Virginia. I've never seen. I've never seen. I feel like shouting for you. I've never seen a creek or a creek, however you want to call that. I've never seen a river on the side of a mountain. I've seen them down in the valley. And if they are coming out of the mountain's rocks, they're always heading down towards the valley between them. Where does the army stay? There's one army on one side and another army on the other side. The Philistines would come down and challenge Israel and Israel would come down and rebuke them. After a while, they begin to fight, but no man would challenge David or excuse me, the giant. So when David is coming down and he picks up five smooth stones out of the brook, where's he at? He is down in the middle of the valley. Dear friend, he is on the battlefield. He is saying, I'm here, big boy. This is what you wanted. This is what you've been looking for. You young people, you listen to me. God don't need you to get excited on the mountaintop. He needs you to get in the battle and say, God, I'm willing and I'm here. I'm going to take some action for what I know is to be true. <clears throat> there is some hard things you're going to face in life. Some of you boys, some of you girls, you think that you'll be older when you face these problems, but the truth is not so. Cancer doesn't just affect old people. Sorry to tell you. Car accidents don't affect just old people. Oh, hey, I know some of your hearts. I sat down in that little prayer room cycling in and out, and I'd ask you, is there any worries you worry about? Some of you would say, yeah, I worry about this. I worry about that. Not today. That was today. Yesterday, I had a different group in a different prayer meeting with a different topic. I'd say, is there any bad things you face? Yeah, I face this, and I face this, and this person bullied me, and this person don't like me, and this individual's talked bad about me, and all these things. What does God want for you and I? Action in our life. He don't want us just to talk about the goodness of God. The Bible said in James 2 and 18, yea, a man may say that he has faith and says, I have works, show me thy faith without thy works and I will show thee my faith with or by my works. Philippians 4 and 13, y'all love that scripture. I can do all things through Christ Jesus which strengtheneth me. You know, the Bible doesn't say I can do some things. It says I can do all things. What is he saying? When you're doing something, you are acting upon what happens preacher what's so vital when you open your Bible in the New Testament you've got Matthew, Mark, Luke and John and then after that you have the book of Acts what is it it's the do's it's the acts it's the disciples who got up and did something what do we need it's another generation that's not going to sit like a bump on a log we need another generation that's saying I'm willing to go and do what you want in our life God God don't need no more hears <laughs> He don't know more talk abouters. He needs some doers. By the world's eyes, you might be failures. You might be just tries. You might just be attempters. But in the eyes of God, He is your master and we can willingly be used and spent for the glory of God in our life. I found this to be true in my life. Maybe just me. I strive for things to be perfect. 
I make myself sick to my stomach for things to be perfect. I overextend myself so I can be perfect, so I can do all things, so I can be all things. And then all of a sudden I realize without Him, I am nothing. Some of you don't know me, but I've been saved since I was 19. Now, as a 19-year-old boy, I never went to church camp before like this. I didn't have other friends like me beside this. Had good family, had a great family, had good brothers and sisters and great cousins and had a great upbringing. But I never sat a full week in youth camp until today. I've preached at other youth camps. I've ministered to people. Christians, you young people, you listen to me. What you have here is not the end. It's the beginning. What God is going to do with you is merely the beginning. If we're willing to say, God, we want to attempt it. We want to go and we want to be these things for your glory and for your name's sake. And God, if we get no glory out of it, we're willing to do this just for your name's sake. What does the Bible say? Here comes David down there. He scoops his rocks out of the brook. He loads his satchel. I like to think he's got one in the barrel. Now that's just my personal. I like that kind of talk. And I like that kind of thinking. And so he's got a little rock he puts in his sling. And he's already waiting. Oh boy. You say, preacher, do you think he was there? Oh, the Bible says very clearly that when the Philistine came, he said, who's this dead doggy? Who's this old boy that's coming out here who thinks he can challenge me? Is this the best thing? God, is this all they got? What he seen was a little young man. But what he didn't see was his master that was inside of his life. And you say, preacher, was he afraid? He might have been nervous. He might have been afraid. But let me give you this last point. Dear friend, the Bible gives us the clear that when God is our master, when Jesus Christ is real in our life, it guarantees us an anchor, our anchor in life. Can I tell you tonight that there's going to be issues and there's going to be pains and there's going to be problems in our life, but this is evident in our life. The Bible says it came to pass, verse 48, when the Philistine came and drew near and nigh to David that David hastened and ran towards the army to meet the Philistine. You know what that says? I liked it. One in the barrel. He was locked and loaded. He was ready to go. He wasn't ashamed. He wasn't slowing down. He was heaven bound with a hammer down. Dear friend, when David seen the Philistine take the first step, David began to run at him. The next time you see a battle, you don't turn and run. You run towards the battle. You say, God, this is me and I'm giving myself to you. You are my master and whatever becomes the it is your for your glory and for your purpose I would gladly be spent and spent for you God you may not always be popular you may not always win but dear friend when you stand for the glory of God he'll show himself mighty in your life David doesn't even back an eye bat an eye he runs towards the giant why he runs to the giant because he had an anchor that the giant couldn't see. He had an unmovable master that no one seen that day. Saul didn't see it. His brothers didn't see it. His daddy didn't know about it. <laughs> I feel like preaching to some of you today. You've got something inside of you that your youth leader might not have seen. You boys, you might have a, a fire inside of you that you've not, you're afraid to tell somebody about. <laughs> hey, listen, you young ladies, God may be calling you to teach a Sunday school class. God may be calling you to get up here and sing. You might have a voice like an angel and you're too afraid to get up and sing for the glory of God. But the reality is this, that if it is of God, 
God, dear friend, and you attempt and you fail, it'll still be for the glory of God. And I've seen a lot of people who may not be able to sing like a bird, but when they get up in all humbleness and the anointing begins to fall on them, God begins to move. And the next thing you know, it ain't about their voice anymore. It's about them feeding your spirit and helping you through everything you're going through. An anchor to our soul. <coughs> what if we get sick? Do we have an anchor to our soul? We at times, I feel like God's going to bring me to a close shortly, but let me tell you this. We at times in this life find ourselves to think that God is there to make everything easy. I'm preaching to a lot of people tonight. And everything's simple. And everything's smooth. And if it's of God, it's just going to fall into place. <laughs> and I won't have to try real hard. I won't have to break a sweat for it. I won't have to sacrifice for it. Some of you kids, somebody sacrificed so you could get here. Some of you kids, mommy and daddy couldn't pay $100 for you to come to youth camp and some unbeknownst person that you've never met slid the church some money and said, you take that little boy and you take that little girl and you pray that God would move on their heart while they're there at youth camp that they might have the same anchor that I did. I'm glad to have, I see my mother, I believe, sitting back there if I can see well enough. My mother was saved at four years old, right? Four or five, young girl. And you know where she was saved? At a church camp. Some of you better understand there's going to be a calling in your life and if that same God can call you at four or five years old, that same God, he said, that which I commit to him, he is able to keep until the day of redemption. That same Holy Spirit that will anoint you, he said, I would seal you unto that day. And I tell you this tonight and I'm going to close. There's an anchor to our life to our mind, to our body, to our soul. And that anchor is Jesus Christ, the master of all, who lives inside of us, who dwells inside of us, who holds us fastly in the palm of his hand where no man can pluck us out. And so here comes David. David runs out there. He takes his little sling. And before he gets there, David lets him know, today, old boy, I'm going to chop your head off. That's some bold words for a little boy, isn't it? Do you read that in your Bible? You young boys, you ever read that in your Bible? David looks at Philistine and says, I'm going to cut your head off, old boy. Spoiler alert. David doesn't have a sword. You talk about what would make David say that? He knew who his master was. <laughs> Dear friend, when things in life are falling apart, you don't need to know all about the enemy. You need to know all about your master. When the enemy is raging against you, you need to know what God is capable of, not what the enemy is. And so here comes David. He's running up there. You saw said, well, maybe he knew everything he was going to do. I think he led and let God go before him. He let the sling go and he made the first rock roll, baby. He fell on the side. He sunk that stone into his forehead and then he goes up there looks at the giant. He pulls out the sword from his sheath. He steps back and chops the head off the giant, dear friend. What's 
you need to do is stop knocking the giant down and start slaying the giants of your life and let God go before you. And then the Bible says this, he gets up, he takes the head of the giant and he goes back to the king and he says, oh king, you were afraid I'd die. You're afraid there's gonna be nothing left of me. You're afraid my armor wouldn't hold up. He said, but here's the God I serve. And he slams his head down and says, there you go. There's the man everybody was afraid of. How could he do that? That's what God wants to do in your life. He wants to be your master, your keeper, your guide, your, your guiding light. He wants to be your, your, the lamp under your feet and a light under your pathway. The Bible says in Hebrews 6 and 18, a beautiful portion of Scripture. He says that by two imputable things for that which it is impossible for God to lie, that we might have a strong consolation who have fled for the refuge to lay hold on the hope that is set before us, for which hope we have as an anchor to the soul, both sure and steadfast, which entereth into the veil when the storm of life and the battles of life and the waves of life begin to beat upon us. Uh, dear friend, no matter if you're on the battlefield uh, or in the ship, no matter where you're at in life, God wants you to know uh, that the worst thing that can happen uh, is that this physical life can die so that he can give you a home in heaven, uh, an eternity uh, where there'll be no more sickness, where there'll be no more pain, uh, where there'll be no more problems for the former things are passed away. He wants you to know you have an anchor to your soul. I told someone one time, every once in a while, I am quicker to speak than I am to think. You ever done that? Children, it's kind of like this. When you respond and your parent says, if you smart mouth me again, I don't know if they'll pull the car over. I don't know how your parents respond. I'm afraid to tell you how mine respond because they're back there. <laughs> I still got PTSD. No, I'm just kidding. I love them. <laughs> You know what it was? It was them guiding me. When all the things in life begin to fall apart, when everything around us begins to crumble, there's a God who holds us. And the Bible says that He holds us as an anchor to the soul, both sure and steadfast. Do you know what sure and steadfast means? <clears throat> How many of you ever hung a picture? You girls, you love posters on your walls, right? All those things, all those cutesy things. Boys, every once in a while my wife have me hang something on the wall and I'll take a little teeny nail because I don't want to patch a big hole later and we're always moving stuff around and I'll put that little nail on the wall. Dun, dun, dun. Some of you knocked some holes in the wall the other day to hang a poster back there in the prayer room yesterday. Remember that? Right? You had to put your little, they'll tap that little hammer there on the board. When you knock that thing in there, both sure and steadfast, every once in a while I'll hang a picture on the wall and think, huh. I hope that holds. That's a big picture. That's a big decoration. That's a weird star, but we've got to have it right here in the living room, right? <laughs> I love my wife. She's watching online in West Virginia. Every once in a while, I'll take a nail and I'll tap it in there and you don't hear it hit anything and I'll think, man, I hope that holds. But every once in a while, I'll drive a nail and it'll just be a couple short taps and then a thud. And you're like, yeah. Boy, I can hang a Mack truck on that thing. It's going to hold. Dear friend, I've had a lot of things in life fail me. 
I've had a lot of things not hold. But when the Bible says he's an anchor to the soul, it's literally you're pulling on it. Every once in a while, a wave will hit you and a storm will hit you and a battle hit you. And you feel the other end holding you in place. And every single wave keeps pummeling you. But the anchor holds. I mean, the weight is there. And it's not you holding on to yourself. It's the God of heaven who puts you in the palm of his hand. And when the waves come, he just lets you know, I'm still here. And I'm still holding on to you. And it's going to be all right. What was our verse for the what was our first verse for the day? Colossians 2 and 9. He says, For in which him Jesus dwelleth in the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head and the principality of power. He's holding you in your life. Ask yourself this this evening while I come to a close. Was David a great warrior because he slayed the giant? Ask yourself. Are you a great warrior because you haven't taken the field yet? You still got your Bibles open, right? Look at 1 Samuel 16 real quick and I'm going to come to a close. Before David ever makes the battlefield, you find this portion of Scripture. 1 Samuel 16 and verse 18. The Bible begins to tell us that he, though he was a skinny, slinky, young shepherd boy, that he had killed a lion, that he had killed a bear, and there was a time in his life that he was described as this before he ever takes the battlefield. The Bible says this, that a servant comes to Saul who's being troubled by an evil spirit and says, there's a boy who can play some music and you're going to feel better. I've seen this boy before and here's how he's described in verse number 18. He's, a, he's a, of the son of Jesse, a Bethmite, that is cunning and playing and a mighty valiant man, a man of war and a prudent in manners or matters and in a comely person and the Lord is with him. Did you hear that? Before David, David, David ever slayed a giant, some servant looked out and said, there's a young man out there who's a man of valor. He had integrity and uprightness. There's a man out there who's a warrior before he ever took the battlefield. Why do we struggle so much? Because we want to get on the battlefield to prove ourselves when the proving ground is before you ever get to the battlefield, before you ever stand against a giant, before you ever get there. There's a God in heaven who says, I want you to be something great, but until you are unmovable, not because you're great, not because you're skilled, not because you're talented, but until you can look back and say, I'm going to be unmovable because he is my master and I'm willing to stand, I'm willing to attempt, I'm willing to adjust my attitude and my appearance and actions to go along anchored firmly in the hands of the master until that happens. We'll be afraid to take the field. Every time a giant comes, we'll fear with everybody else. Every time people panic, we'll go along with the panic. Every time the flow of the crowd comes, we'll go along with the flow because it's just easier. If we've seen anything in the last two years, what we need is more people who are battle ready, who are standing firm and saying, let the giants come. If I die standing for God, it'll be for His glory. If He moves, let Him move. Let him be true and everything else a liar. Let me ask you this tonight and I'm going to come to a close. Maybe they come and get a song tonight. Some of you young people tonight need to make a stand in your life. 
Some of you young people tonight need to break the circle of life that is happening in our nation. For the first time in the United States of America, we are below a 50% rating level of people who identify as Christians. For the first time in our nation, we are finding that less people identify as Christian than more living in the United States of America. A nation that was founded and built upon the work and the hand of God. What we need once again is some young people who are willing to commit themselves and stand and make a comeback for the next generation and stop the spiritual decay that is facing us. Some young people who are willing to stand up and say, I do not need drugs to be satisfied. I do not need this to be happy. I don't need material things to be to glorify God. And if God does what God does in my life, then let him have his own way. Dear friend, we need to surrender all and say we're going to be unmovable, not because of us, but because of what he did on Calvary. When we surrender all and say God we want you to be all in all anchor us God firmly fashioned in your life thank you so much for joining the NOIC for our special series unmovable we will not be shaken we pray that this message has been a blessing and a challenge to your Christian walk with Christ we invite you to share today's episode that we may encourage one another in the Lord you can also find more Christian content and special series by visiting our website at www.thenoic.com or check out our social media pages Until next time, continue on in Christ.